0: So the title of the campaign, the title of the series is Forward in Faith. We're moving forward together according to God's will, building according to God's call. And we've talked a lot about that. We've talked a lot about, you've heard a couple of testimonies about uh, how individuals are being led by God. Uh, This morning I want to talk about, um, and try to answer the question, what does God want me to do? Not specifically just about this campaign, although it will inform that, but you know, I think we need to ask the question regularly in life as we go about serving the Lord. You know, what is it that God wants me to do? What does he want me to invest my time in? What does he want me to be about in terms of service? It was a study that came out uh, not too long ago. New York Post released a story. Uh, it was prior to COVID, a study that was done, I believe, in 2018 about Uh, The Busyness of American Families, and they found that each family on average spends only about 37 minutes of quality time together per day because of our busy schedules. Now, with COVID and the lockdown, one of the benefits of that is that it forced us as families to spend time together because there was nothing else to do, right? Um, And uh, hopefully that was good for you. Uh, We enjoyed that, but I I think we're kind of slipping back into our routines. I know my family's gotten busier uh, as things have progressed and loosened up, and we all, our schedules, I mean, it's, it's not hard to pack our schedules full of just stuff. Um, and we feel in our culture that, like, if we're not doing something, if we're not busy, then we're not being productive. We're not doing what we should be doing. But busyness is not always the best thing. Uh, with the craziness of day-to-day life, with all that is expected of you, whether at home or at work, uh, or even at church, um, you know, the question comes up, Lord, what do you want me to be doing? Or that's what we should be asking. What, what is it that you want me to do? I mean, with this campaign, you know, that's what we're challenging individuals to do is, is to pray and seek the Lord and obey. And we're not telling you what to do. We're telling you to, to see what the Lord wants you to do. But that can be a difficult question with life, can it? You know, When I ask, God, what is it you want me to do? How do we find that answer? How do we know what it is that God wants us to do? Well, as we look in Mark chapter 14, which is where we're going to be today, Mark chapter 14, my goal is to help us all explore this question and to know how to find the answer to that question. God, what is it that you want me to do? So we're going to read verses 3 through 9 of Mark chapter 14. So turn there if you would, and we'll take just a few moments and read through this passage together. While he, Jesus, was in Bethany at the house of Simon, who had a serious skin disease, as he was reclining at the table, the woman came with an alabaster jar of pure, expensive, fragrant oil of nard. She broke the jar, poured it on his head. But some were expressing indignation to one another. Why has this fragrant oil been wasted, they asked. For this oil might have been been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. Then Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and you can do what is good for them whenever you want, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. I assure you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world... What this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. Now in this passage, um, neither Mark nor Matthew identify this woman, but in John chapter 11, we learn that this is Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha, sister of Lazarus, that Jesus raised from the dead. So we know who this is. And we see Mary three times in the gospel stories, and each time she's at the feet of Jesus. Uh, She is doing the most important thing. And here again, that's where she's at. We see in this the close fellowship she obviously had with Jesus, expressed through this incredible act of sacrifice, this incredible act of worship for her Savior. And in this, uh, you know, she she listened to his word, she obeyed his word. Uh, She expressed her love for for christ and in this we see an incredible example for us to follow And so we're going to explore this together and look at specific lessons that we learn From mary's actions in this passage. The first is this. What does god want you to do? Well, god wants you to do what you can He wants you to do what you can. What does that mean? That's the question, right? What can I do? Well, there are some things, I think, like with a lot of questions, the answer to that sometimes is found in looking at what you can't do or, or shouldn't do. But first, let's look again at verse 6. Then Jesus said, leave her alone. So they were questioned, led by Judas, by the way. They questioned, why is she doing this? This is expensive. This could have been used for the poor. Why are you bothering her? Jesus said, leave her alone. She has done a noble thing for me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. Mary is simply expressing her love for Jesus. Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to die for the sins of mankind. And she is, in fact, preparing his body for burial. So what she's doing has a greater purpose than even she probably realizes. But she's because she's expressing her love honestly and obeying God in doing that, her, what she's doing is serving a greater purpose. And so Jesus, when she's questioned, they, uh, the disciples led by Judas essentially criticize, not essentially, they criticize her. Uh, Jesus says, no, this is what she should be doing. She is doing what she is supposed to. And so by anointing his head, anointing his feet, she's preparing his body for burial. And, and he says something very, very clear and simple and distinct in these first few verses, or in these verses, he simply says she does, she's doing what she can. She's just simply taking what she has and giving it to the Lord as an act of worship, an act of sacrifice. She used what she had. Now, this oil of nard was, was very... Costly. I mean, they they were right in that this was an expensive gift. It would have been worth the equivalent of about a common worker's annual salary. So this is a lot of money that she's using. And and so you can kind of understand why that might be questioned, but that's what she had. And she wanted to give what she had. And so Jesus is saying she's simply doing what she can. So what should we do? Well, there's some things that we can't do. There's some things that as human beings we can't do. You can't change history, for example. You can't, you know, a lot of people are, are, are unable to answer the question of what I should do for God because they're trapped in their past. They feel like their past has disqualified them. And you can't change the past. What you can do is seek forgiveness, receive forgiveness, and be restored and be used by God. Your past doesn't disqualify you for service. You can't change history. What you can do is seek forgiveness and move forward. And so you can't do that. You can't also, we learned in verses 3 through 5, you cannot please everybody, right? And as a seasoned people pleaser, I struggle with this, all right? Uh, and you, you just can't. And, and we see again, Mark 14. Uh, let's just look at the, those, those verses, 3 through 5, the first three that we read. While he was in Bethany at the house of Simon, who had a serious skin disease, he was reclining at the table, a woman who we know is Mary came with an alabaster jar of pure and expensive fragrant oil she broke the jar poured it on his head but some were expressing an indignation why has this fragrant oil been wasted for this oil might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor and they began to scold her again the disciples led by Judas here are scolding her for what she's doing now we know because we know the full story of Judas Judas didn't care about the poor he wanted the money we could have sold that, and then he would have been able to take some from—he was, he was the keeper of the money, the treasurer, and so he could have had some of that, and we know his motivation. He criticizes Mary for wasting money, but what we see is that, sadly, Judas wastes his whole life because he didn't get this. He didn't understand what Mary understood and that we need to understand. Um, you, you, you cannot please everyone, but Jesus comes to her defense, right? He commends her for her gift. He knew the heart of Judas. He understood why the disciples would follow him, and hey, we can identify with that. We can understand why they might question that, because it seems noble to want to take that and use it for the poor instead of pouring it on somebody's head and feet, but they they just didn't get it. We, We understand maybe why they would do that, but while Jesus knew their heart, he also knew Mary's heart. He saw, he sees her heart, And he's quick to defend her. Verse 6, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a noble thing for, for me. No matter what others say about your worship, your service, what you do for the Lord, all Mary could do was focus on Jesus. And the most important thing for you and me is that no matter what we do, whether it's praying about giving or praying about serving or praying about whatever it is that God wants you to do, our first... Check should be as my heart's desire to please God You may not be able to please everyone But you can please the Lord By serving him and obeying him And that's what Mary did uh, The fact is others may misunderstand They may not get it And, and, and that's understandable But we our concerns should be with his approval Something else here When you look at Judas Who was you know, in the presence of God in the flesh god in the flesh yet still did not believe it's a reminder here when we see the condition of his heart that that you and i we can't save anyone we can't save everyone we, we can't save anyone but there's some people that that just won't believe and sometimes we think one of the reasons we don't share the gospel i believe is fear that people won't believe when the reality is is it's not up to us to save it's up to us to share the gospel and to do exactly what Mary was doing in this moment she was pointing everybody in that household to Jesus she was concerned with Christ she was focused on him she was worshiping him and even in that Judas still does not believe and so we are reminded that it's not our responsibility to save people Uh, I witness I point people to Jesus. I pray that they come to Christ. But Jesus is the one who saves. I have to be faithful. And that's not a cop out uh, to, to not witness. It's not my responsibility to save. No, we still have a part in it. We are to do what Mary did and point people to Christ. But it's not up to us. The results are not up to us. In Matthew 19, Mark 10, and Luke 18, we see the story of the rich man who comes to Jesus, and he asks, you know, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus knows his heart, and he knows he's looking at it from a legalistic perspective. What rules do I need to follow? And so Jesus lists a few laws, and, and, uh, and the, the rich man says, well, I've done all these things which is another glimpse into his heart. Nobody obeys those things perfectly, but he's checking things off his list, isn't he? He's trying to say, what can I do to be saved? What actions, how can I earn my way into heaven? Knowing his heart, Jesus looks at him and says, okay, well, here's what you need to do. You need to sell all your possessions, give away all your possessions and follow me. And of course, the man's problem was he had faith in things and not in Jesus Christ. And so he leaves sad because he could not, do what jesus asked him to do he couldn't give it up and so jesus response to that is, is it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to be saved now there have been a lot of interpretations about that but here's what jesus is saying it is really hard it's impossible to be saved if you're putting your stu- your faith in your stuff or anything else other than jesus christ and if you have a lot it's easier to have faith in what you have and not recognize your dependence on me that's what he's saying and so the disciples response is priceless well how can anybody be saved then but what Jesus says next is so very very important with man it's impossible but with God all things are possible you may you could go out and find the worst of the worst of society and you and I look at that person and say there is no way they could be saved but God can get a hold of somebody's heart and change their heart And I'm thankful I'm not responsible for changing hearts. I can't do that, but God can, and he will. It's up to us to point people to him, to point people to Christ, to be faithful to do what he's called us to do, and that's exactly what Mary did. There's some things that we cannot do, and there's some things that we shouldn't do. I'm going to share with you words of a great philosopher by the name of Jim Croce. You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. That's common sense, right? You don't pull the mask off the old Lone Ranger and you don't mess around with Jim, whoever Jim is. I joke, but there are some things that we should not do, right? I mean, some things are common sense, but some things we need to be reminded we should not do. Number one, plain and simple, I think we can all agree, but we do struggle with this. We should not do what God has called us, has not called us to do. If God hasn't called you to do it, don't do it. Um, Sometimes it's hard to know what God's called us to do, and what it's not, it takes time. It takes seeking His will. It takes spending time in His Word. But we there there are things that we know we shouldn't do. I mean, there there are rules set aside in God's Word, guardrails that He gives us for life that are common to everybody that we know we shouldn't do, and, and we should be dedicated to seeking, seeking His will to determine His will so that we'll know what we should and shouldn't do. That's specific to our lives and His call on our lives. We also shouldn't waste the gifts and abilities that he's given us. He's given each of us gifts and abilities to be used for his service, both inside the walls of this church and outside the walls of this church in our daily lives as we live on mission for him. And so we shouldn't waste that. God gives us those spiritual gifts at salvation to be used, but we are also born with abilities. God made you the way you are with the strengths you have and even the, and He even understands your weaknesses And can work through those He wants to do it for his glory But we have to be willing to serve him And obey him We shouldn't waste those things You cannot get a camel through the eye of a needle A reminder once again That we are not God And there are some things that we can't do Saving someone we can't do We, can't, we also can't move a mountain That shouldn't be moved Right There are some things that we cannot do And should not even attempt. We have to seek the Lord. We should follow him. But there are some things that we can and should do. There's some things, when we look at this story and see what Mary did, there's some very clear things that she did that we should all be about. Uh, You know, one is, you know, she's praising Jesus, right? She's worshiping him, an act of worship, giving this sacrifice as an act of worship. She was not afraid to show her affection her love for Christ openly in front of everyone and, and neither should we be we should be willing to do that you know it 's something that maybe you've probably heard pointed out before, but we kind of skip over you know this this was perfume, and she used an entire jar, and that house would have been filled with that fragrance right if you were even if you weren 't in the room or weren 't looking at what was going on, you would have known somebody was using perfume for something you would have known. That this was happening. And and that's the way it is. In a home where Jesus is worshipped openly and affectionately, that fragrance fills the house. And it affects the rest of the family. In a church where Jesus is worshipped and praised openly and honestly, that fragrance fills the house of worship and fills the family of God. And and the lesson for us is, is that we know there's a lot we don't know about life. Things we should or shouldn't do. Um, Questions maybe we have about God's will for our lives That if we continue to seek him, he'll answer But we know that we should be praising God And Mary did that openly and without hesitation Prayer is another thing I mean, she communicates She's, She's communicating with God She's expressing her worship And then listening to his word Again, when we see her, she's at his feet Just taking it in, right? Worshiping God and we should be communicating with God, getting to know God. If you want to know what he wants you to do, you got to get to know him. And the only way to do that is to talk to him, to, to pray, to spend time, and then to listen to him as he speaks through his word, the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. So we know we should be praying. We know we should study the word of God. If you want to know his will, that's why we have this. It's his revelation, God's revelation to us. And so you got to study God's Word. We all should do that. And we know we should share. Share what? Well, share the Lord, share the gospel, share His love with other people, be willing to serve others in His name, uh, to share our time, to share whatever blessings He gives us, whether that's giving an actual gift or it's just giving my time, my abilities to help others, showing His love to others, and then caring for others you know, different ways that we can do that. You know, one of the reasons it's so important to be a part of a small group, a connection group in this church is because you get to share your life with other people. In a room this size, you'll never get to know everybody. But in that smaller setting, you get to know each other, and you can share and carry one another's burdens like we talked about last week. And we should have have a caring concern for the people of God, but then outside the walls as well, we should care for others and be willing to, to empathize and share their lives and meet needs as we're presented with the opportunity to do so. And then obey God. You know the 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 result of praising Him, praying, spending time in His Word, serving Him is that He will reveal His will to you. He's going to do that. And then there's the 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 moment that, that crisis of belief. Will I obey God? Will I do what he's called me to do? With this campaign, what we're asking you to do, all of us, the challenge is, is to pray and obey, to pray and seek in this specific area, to pray and seek God's will and then obey what he tells you to do. But, but that's li- that should be all, all of our lives. As we live For the Lord, we should constantly be praying, constantly be studying His Word. And then as He speaks to us and tells us what to do, we have to obey. If we're going to be faithful, we have to obey. But here's the promise. You can do anything that God wants you to do. There's some things you shouldn't do, I shouldn't do. There's some things we can't do because we're limited But there are some things that we should do, and we can do anything that he calls us to do. He will equip us to do it. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We can do anything that God wants us to do. So do what you can, number one. Second, do that much. Do that much. There's a limit to what we can do. As human beings, we're limited. You can't work 24 hours a day. Every day, or you'll eventually die. <laughs> you won't, your body can't handle it. We're limited physically in what we can do. Uh, alone, you can't accomplish more than is humanly possible for an individual to accomplish. That's why two are better than one. And that's why there are no Lone Ranger Christians, or at least no effective Lone Ranger Christians. We need each other. So you, can't, you can only do so much by yourself. You can't work your way into heaven, right? The rich man tried to do that. It's impossible. Salvation is a gift. It's a, a gift of grace that we receive by faith in Christ. So you can't do that. There's some things that we can't do. And I, I, you've heard this before, but I remember very clearly the serenity prayer. My grandmother had it in a picture frame. And she, uh, both of the houses that I knew her living in growing up, uh, one for many, many years and one for the last years of her life, she had it, she, she had it in her hallway. Uh, in a prominent place, and it goes something like this: God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I mean, there are some things in life we can't change. You know, I can't, I can't change circumstances all the time. I can influence them. I can't change the actions of others. I can't always change. Uh, the direction of my life you know i I, we don't have control sometimes even when we think we have control it's just an illusion right we never really have control god is the only one who has control and so there's peace in accepting the circumstances that you find yourself in and being willing to accept that regardless of what brought you there um there are some things that we cannot do we're limited and and there there is though no limit to what we can do uh and, be, and be, ha, have accomplished by obeying God and doing what He's called you to do. You know, by ourselves, we're limited, but by the power of God, there's no limit to what can be done individually and corporately as followers of Christ. Look at verse 6 again of Mark 14. Jesus said, Leave her alone. <laughs> Why are you bothering her? Which is a lesson there, too, right? If no one else will defend you, Jesus will if you are serving Him faithfully and he does he comes to her defense he says leave her alone why are you bothering her she has done a noble thing for me she has done what she could she has anointed my body in advance for burial and here verse 9 here's the result i assure you wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world what this woman has done will also be told in memory of her you know, mary gave her best at the feet of jesus she started as she started a wave of blessing that has continued from that day and continues today I mean, you think about the fact that the blessing it brought to her family, you know, and, and just the blessing of receiving that praise and that defense from Jesus, but her town, I mean, the town of Bethany would have been forgotten had it not been for this. So her, her, her town receives a blessing in that. The disciples received a blessing. Everybody who would hear this story in that, that day and time or who witnessed it, In that moment received a blessing everybody involved the early church as this was was shared and repeated received a blessing and to this day we're talking about it today and so we are being blessed by this example by this story so what Jesus said absolutely 100% came true now think about in that moment all Mary was trying to do was show her love to Jesus she had no idea that And in 2021, a preacher would be sharing this story with a group of people in person and online. She had no idea. All she was doing was giving Jesus what she had, all that she had at her disposal. I want to show you I love you, Jesus, and so here it is. Here's what I have. Let me anoint your head. Let me anoint your feet. Let me worship you in this moment. This is—that's all she's doing. And now, 2,021 years later— Here we are, or almost that amount of time, over 2,000 years later, here we are talking about her story. Amazing when we think about that. Amazing the effect this has, and that just goes to show you there is no limit to what God can do. The only limit is this. The only limit to what we can do should be and is the will of God. Uh, Whatever it is that we're trying to do, whether it's remodeling a building or, or starting a, a mission effort uh, uh, overseas or at home or, 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 or an area of service, the limits should be, God, what do you want us to do? And if he says that we should do it, Mark ten twenty seven, all things are possible with God. Even if it seems impossible to us, all things are possible with God. So, do what you can. Do that much. Sometimes we try to do too much for God. Sometimes we, don't, we try not to do enough, to do just short. Do what he says, do that much, and do it now. Any hesitation in obedience is disobedience, right? I mean, when your kids, when you tell them to do something and they argue or hesitate, do you consider that obedience? I know I don't, right? And they hear about it. And so, neither does God. I mean, we shouldn't think he would look at that any different. I mean, if we hesitate... Or we argue, well, that's disobedience. If he's telling you to do something, listen, there are times, and I get it, I've been there, there are times where you're seeking the will of God and he's not showing you yet for whatever reason. The timing's not right, you're not where you need to be spiritually, there's some things he needs to teach you or, or, or whatever. I'm not talking about those times. Those times are times where you wait on the Lord. And you wait for him to give you directions because you can get out ahead of God and, and that causes problems. But there are plenty of times when we seek God's will and he shows us what we're supposed to do and then we're, our question, we really want to know God's will and then he tells us, here's what you need to do and then our question is, is that really what you want me to do? Now, that's the time to act, right? It's in those moments when we know very clearly it's a lack of faith when we don't act. And so when God reveals himself, do what you can, do that much and then do it now. Don't wait. You may miss the blessing of Experiencing God working and through you. There's a time for every purpose. Ecclesiastes three one. There's an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. You know, life is really all about timing, right? God's timing, and that's something that we have trouble getting in line with. Uh, I do, and we all do. Because we don't know his mind. I mean, Scripture tells us that we don't know, we can't know the mind of God. He reveals himself to us, but his ways are far beyond our comprehension. And there are times in life where we're in circumstances, we're in situations, and we've been there the past year, right, where we don't understand what's going on. and We don't understand why God is allowing these things to happen. We know that he is a good God, that he is holy, that he is perfect. He doesn't cause evil. He doesn't cause pain. He doesn't cause sickness, but he allows it to go on. And that's hard for us to understand. We live in a fallen world. But what we can know is that he has a purpose in everything. And even the bad stuff, he can take and use it for good. God is intentional. God is purposeful. He doesn't allow anything to happen without having a purpose for it. Even in the book of Job, when he allowed Satan to persecute Job, there was a purpose in it. A purpose that even Job didn't know, part of which he didn't even understand. He didn't know that we would be learning from that story, just like Mary didn't know we would be learning from her story. But there's a purpose in it, and we have to believe that. We have to trust that God's timing... There's a time for everything, and, and, and I've experienced in my life, I've shared with you before, I knew when I was called to preach, there was a time where I, I wasn't doing that, and it was difficult for me to understand why God, you know, for, for a year in seminary, which seemed like an eternity then, now that I'm older, it goes by quicker, but still for that period of time, you know, it seemed like I, I didn't understand, God, you've called me to do this, why didn't I do it? Well, it wasn't the right time. There were other things he needed me to learn before I started that journey in my life. And that happens. We have to trust in God's timing. There's a time for every purpose, and there's a purpose for every time. Seems like I'm just playing with words there, but think about that. There's a time for every purpose, God's timing, but then there's a purpose in everything that happens. You know, If you are a child of God, you can know that what he is doing in your life, he has reason for it. Again, God is intentional. He does not work without purpose. And if there's something, if he's calling you to wait, If he's calling you to step out in faith, if you don't know what he's doing right now, you can believe that he is working. He has a purpose. And just because we may not see him at work in that moment or feel him working, it doesn't mean that he's asleep at the wheel. He is still very much in control and has a purpose for your life. We have to trust that. We have to trust that God has a purpose. There's another time we see Mary at the feet of Jesus. Her sister Martha you know, is busy preparing a meal, and what's Mary doing? Well, She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha is just you know, working, busy little bee, working in the kitchen, and she gets mad. She gets upset. Jesus, do you really think it's fair that I'm in here working, and she's relaxing at your feet? And what does Jesus do? He says in Luke 10, 41 through 42, the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. You're worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. You just get the idea that Mary had the inside track as compared to the people around her. Everybody's running around like chickens with their head cut off. You know, the disciples are worried about, when are we going to war? Who's going to be first in the kingdom or who's going to be your right-hand man? Martha's running around and being a good host, you know, you understand our motivation. But when we see Mary, what's she doing? She's just focused on Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend time with you. I want to hear your voice. I want to express my love. She understood possibly better than anybody else around her what the pur- her purpose was in that moment and what she should be doing. We need to know our purpose. We were built that way. We were built. To serve God. We were built to know our Creator. There is the drive inside the God shaped hole, it's been called, right? The, the the drive inside each human being to know why we were put here. And only God can answer that question. You want to know what to do, you've got to get to know your creator. You have to get to know Jesus Christ. And we learned here from Martha, busy's not always best. We can fill up our lives with a whole lot of stuff. That really, in the grand scheme, in the kingdom perspective, doesn't mean anything. We need to know what God wants us to do. Here's what's best getting to know the Lord well enough to know what He wants you to do. You've got to get to know Him first, and that takes time. And you know, there are things that He's got planned for you that you're not going to find out immediately. You've got to grow. You and I both have to grow, we have to get to know God. We've got to get to know his ways, and that takes time. And Timmy's going to help me illustrate that this morning, because he's my son and has to obey me, right? Then we just cover that. All right, Tim, we're going to move this to the floor here. But I've got here a couple of pieces of wood, and and uh, and and I brought I even brought your hammer for you. Are you glad of that? you have, you should know how to use it. All right, grab this. Here's what we're going to do. Okay, we got a couple of pieces of board, and in one of these boards, I've already started a couple of nails for you. Okay. And I'm going to let you, I'm putting it on the floor so I don't break the table. Hopefully I won't break the floor too. Actually you, you would break the floor because you're going to be hammering. Um, (laughs) but, uh, uh, the, the, the idea with any nail, right, is you want to drive it in. If you want to attach it to the other piece of wood, you got to drive it in. So I'm going to give you a chance to do that. All right. You think you can handle that? Okay. But there's one catch. You get one shot, one strike, to drive this nail into the other piece of board. You want to give it a try? All right, get down here. Come down here. All right, don't hit me, okay? Put your hand over here so you don't hit yourself either. Make sure you get it. Let's get it on. There we go. Either, either nail, I want you to take one shot and see how far you can get. You ready? Okay, you didn't quite make it, all right? Did you think you would? I mean, again, I think I'm on a power team kick, because didn't they do that too? Y'all remember the power team? I think are the only guys I've ever seen do that, but none of us can do that. Okay, let's take it slower, and take your time, and drive that on in. Hold the hammer down there a little bit more. There you go. A little harder. There you go. A little more. A little harder. All right, good job, Tim. Now you're ready to build a deck now, right? All right, good job, man. Go have a seat. All right, now, it's in there now, but it took time, right? Especially if you don't do that all the time, it's going to take a little while. Even if you do, it's going to take, unless you're the power team, it's going to take you more than one shot, and it's going to take commitment and dedication. And after a while, you're going to start to feel it. It's work. And listen, we serve God because... We love him, and it's a pleasure to spend time with him. But living the Christian life involves work, and we've got to be dedicated to spending time with Jesus. You know, A lot of times we try to approach our life with Jesus like that one shot. Hey, I, you know, I'm just going to do this act of service and hope that it pleases God. I'm going to do my good deed and move on without seek, taking the time to seek God's will, to learn from him, to grow in him. Or even when it comes to things like giving, I'm just going to, come up with an amount and give. Or, you know, I'll pay my dues and and move on. And that's not what it's about. It's about obedience. It's about, Lord, what do you want me to do? It takes time to determine that. It's not something that... There are going to be times where God shows you something very clearly in the moment. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. And you know what he's saying. But even then, it takes time to get to that position, right? You've got to spend time with him to be able to recognize that voice. You know, like every, many things in our lives, we're used to immediate gratification. You know, if we have to wait longer than three minutes in the drive-thru, we're getting antsy. If our webpage doesn't load within a few seconds, oh, it's too slow. Y'all remember dial-up, right? But we've gotten used to instant gratification. But what Jesus says is, you need to sit at my feet. You need to spend some time with me. You need to focus on me, learn from me. And that takes dedication. You want to know what God wants? It starts right there. And yes, with this campaign, but my hope is with your life, with my life, with my family's life, is that we're willing to spend the time necessary to determine God's will for our lives. As we grow in Him, He reveals His will to us through His Word. He shows us what He wants us to do. And there is the joy, the beauty of discovering The mind of God of understanding the heart of God and being willing and able the privilege of following him and at that moment we do what we can what he's given us the ability to do we do that much we obey him perfectly should and we do it immediately we do it now 2nd Corinthians 6 2 maybe today you're wanting to know what God wants for you, and while, what He's doing right now is calling you in a relationship with Him. You don't know Him as your Savior. I don't know His will for your whole life, but I know right now He wants you to trust Him. And 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 6 2 says, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. If you're feeling God call you, tug on your heart, convict you of your sin, that verse applies to you. I'm not trying to coerce you. I'm not trying to convince you. But if you're, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, calling you into a relationship with him, now is the acceptable time. You know what he wants you to do. You know what you can do, and you can do it right now. You can accept Jesus. We're going to have an invitation in just a few moments. Whether you're here or at home, you can cry out to him and invite him into your life and accept salvation. If not now, when? And if not now, why? If he's calling you to something else, if he's calling you to obedience, if he's calling you to step out in faith in some way in your life, in an area you haven't before, if not now, why? If not now, when? Now is the acceptable time. Whatever it is that God is showing you today, just we're going to have an invitation and, and you, you just allow God to speak to your heart and tell you what he wants you to do, and then obey. Father, thank you for speaking to us, and thank you for showing us your will, being willing to do that. If we will draw close to you, you will draw near to us. You will teach us great and wonderful things. You will teach us your heart. You will show us your heart. You will share with us your desires, instructions what you want us to do, but we've got to be willing to listen. We've got to be willing to spend time with you. We've got to be willing to accept the gift of salvation that begins, that restores that relationship with you that we were created for. And if there's somebody here today who needs to take that first step by accepting you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they would come and share with me during this time of invitation their desire so that I can share with them the next steps they need to take. Or if they're at home, that they would would just reach out over email and share their desire to trust you. And Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to listen to your voice and obey your voice. If we do know you, that if you are calling us to a step of faith, whether it relates to giving or relates to serving or relates to you know, a, a new mission that you've given us, a step of faith that you've called us to, whatever that is, that we would, we would truly obey you, and that means obey you now in the moment, not, hes- not without hesitation. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to respond to your word. May we do that in a way that pleases you. For it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.